Hello and welcome to RazorPod. This is your host, Patrick Williams. Tonight is the 14th of November, 2018, and we're coming to you after the Razorbacks' 24-17 loss to the LSU Tigers um, on Saturday night at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium in a game that I would, I'll just throw out there, was not as close as the final score would indicate. Uh, Johnny Fayetteville, welcome, Johnny. Hey, guys. Nine more days this season. And Jimmy G. Welcome, Jimmy G. Thank you, Patrick. We expect Tom Logan to join in progress. Um, I'll, I'll kick off the LSU discussion by remarking upon the uh, 13 or 13.5 point line and really starting at the end of the game and the bizarre se- sequence of events where LSU, uh, it seemed, could have covered that 13-point line or 13-and-a-half-point <laughs> line and, and failed to do so in a, in a very bizarre way. And I'll, I'll set it up by remarking on the guy I saw on Twitter that had the, his seven-team parlay in which he had won the first six legs, and the one he lost was, our, was LSU plus 13. Oh. I'm sure that guy had a very, very difficult night, especially like, the way that ended. It's like it's like Edo had uh, LSU, um, you know, minus fourteen. The the running back had the Hogs. It was like that's exactly know, what it was. It was like he didn't did not want to score, and Ozron was like, "For for that, I'm, I want to." It was it was bizarre. Run a play. It was like if. A, I don't know why you'd run the plays, but B, you know, it's similar to what happened against Oregon or Oregon against uh, Stanford this year when they could have taken a knee or two to at least get it down to a couple seconds. They ran a play, fumbled, and Stanford comes in back and won the game. So it was – that was bizarre. I don't know if that was uh, an Ed O brain fart or if that was – I don't know what that was. That was, that was really I mean, strange. the running back sliding, I get it because you just – I mean – I still don't know if it's the right play, but he was clearly – he gave himself up. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I get that. But then you follow that up with one kneel down and you're done. Well, you the, don't the, run two more plays from the two or whatever they do. But when the coach calls it and you, he could walk into the end zone, he, the, the, the first slide I can kind of get. There were people he would have to make a move. It wasn't The second one, he was clear uh, path to the end zone. And he and he and he slid. It was it was bizarre. I don't. I mean, I guess none of that really matters. I mean, we lost the game. They were the better team. Uh, proud of how the Hogs fought. Uh, kind of came back there in the fourth quarter, but we did absolutely bupkis for for three quarters. I mean, we our offense looked really bad. LSU dominated us at the line of scrimmage, jammed our receivers. The receivers couldn't move, uh, and then we found we figured something out there at um, in the second and the fourth quarter. And made it a game. You know, we had a chance. There was five minutes left. We pulled with them to a touchdown. And, you know, I, I think we made the right move, kicking them deep. But then when our defense really had to make a play, they just didn't have anything left in the tank. But uh, guys didn't quit. Uh, there are some positives. I, I mean, to such an extent you can find them this year. But, uh, you know, let's not also – let's not – you know, like you said, the final score was deceptive because for three quarters we were completely dominated. Uh, Jimmy G, I want to turn to you now. And you you sent out a really great email early in the contest. It was, you know, LSU. The games that we play LSU well is when we're hyped and they come in dispirited or unmotivated. And I think you said they look good, talented, and they look motivated early in the game. I said that. Yes. 
I was Perhaps it was Logan. Logan. I, don't think I, had a I thought you sent an email. Okay, no, maybe it's Logan. Sorry. Inside Razorback Stadium. Well, how did they? How did they look? Did they look like they did on TV? Like they were uber talented, and they looked like they were ready to be there. LSU. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really get that sense. I, I, somebody else had to have said that. That wasn't me. Yeah, um, I think it was Logan. They looked talented. Uh, I, you know, they weren't flat, but I don't think they were uber fired up. I don't. I think they were businesslike. Um, I think their offense is inept. Uh, that game should have been it should have been forty two to three in the fourth quarter. It's uh, the twenty four to seventeen is window dressing. Um, it was, and as soon as we made it twenty four to seventeen, LSU, of course, was gonna we weren't gonna get the ball back, and if we did, we weren't gonna be down by a touchdown. And uh, so, I mean, that was just it wasn't quite. I mean, the A&M game, I don't think we ever really were – we did get the ball back against A&M. I, we really weren't that game either. Um, it's just, you know, teams that have mediocre offenses, especially LSU. a and M's probably got a little better offense than LSU. But, um, I, you know, I never got the feeling we were in the game, even when we scored to make it 24-17. And the play at the end – my sense would be that LSU, the coaching staff, wanted to score because of their ranking and trying to preserve. And they still stayed in the same spot uh, anyway. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's just their offense was bad. If LSU's offense was any kind of decent and had a quarterback that could wasn't just a, you know, a, stopgap until they can get somebody more talented in there. You know, Arkansas lost by three or four touchdowns. And, you know, they all commented on it earlier that we got dominated for three quarters. And so, I think LSU at that point pulled off the gas and Arkansas, I mean, we kept fighting. I'm going to give us credit for that. But when they had to have it, they got it back on there. And um, I think what was their I think they had we had one third down and they easily converted that and just kept mowing down the field there at the end. And they could have scored on the drive before they could have kicked the field goal. Uh, they decided to go for it, uh, didn't get it. So I don't know. I mean, Arkansas is making baby steps, but that's all it is until we can get some different players in here. Yeah, good good analysis. I mean that. It's the way the game looked to me, too. I think that fourth quarter flurry was just that, the fourth quarter quarter flurry. Again, I've used this analogy all year. It's kind of like we, we don't step forward. We don't really step back. We, we step sideways. You know, some things get a little better. That was a good team, probably the best team we've played since Alabama. But we didn't look good. We didn't do a lot of things well till the fourth quarter when – it's always kind of a in doubt whether the other teams bring in their A game at that point. So I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's pretty immaterial. We're we're two and eight. We're probably going to be two and ten. And there's just not a lot that that left to say about this team. They're not very good. They didn't play well on Senior Day. In you know the future of the programs in recruiting, don't you think, Johnny? Oh, 100%. I mean, 
offensively, our whole entire game plan is Rakeem Boyd, maybe Story on a broken play, and Cheyenne O'Grady. That's that's our whole offense, and that's just not a winning combination. You know, it's just and, – and, you know, they, these guys have been beaten down the last couple of years, and they've forgotten how to win. They doubt themselves. They, they, they you know, they, they probably realize they're not good enough to win. And the future has to be from other, other places. Um, you know, football, unfortunately, is not really like basketball where you can turn it around in basically a month if you get one, two great players. Let's so, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Um, Maybe. So, Anderson's been there eight years. What have we done in eight years? No, no, I'm just saying that, that in our in basketball, it's possible to do it with two players. And in our, in football, it's just hard. There's just so many other other positions. I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to misspeak. Um, but it may be tough. I mean, I think we, by all accounts, uh, Morris is really getting it done in recruiting. Uh, so far, we have a top 10 recruiting class, which is something that I never thought I'd see. Uh, a lot of time between now and signing day. But um, that, that's where the hope is. I mean, I don't have much you – know, the next the next team we're going to play at Mississippi State, a little foreshadowing, it's a recipe for us just scoring single digits. Uh, a defensive line that really stuffs the run, um, gets after the quarterback. It's going to be tough sledding for us next week as well. Um, before we jump to Mississippi State, Jimmy G, just want to pose this question, let you take the lead on it. Do you think with Bielema, this team is two and eight? <laughs> Probably. I mean, <laughs> what? I mean, they pretty much given up on him at the end of last year. Bringing him back for another year wouldn't do anything different. I mean, maybe they beat, you know, maybe with the style that he's recruited to. Maybe they hold on against Colorado State. But I mean, we blew so many games under him with Lee's that I can't say for sure. I don't. You know, maybe you win Colorado State game. Maybe another game turns out different, but it's not going to be much different. It's going to be three and seven, four and six, two and eight. You're going to be pretty much in the same spot. Yeah. Uh, that's my, my instinct too. And just with all the turmoil we had last year, it's probably the right thing, but it, it doesn't feel great looking up from the bottom of the well right now. No. And, and like I said, that's, it's the, 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 the thing that's frustrating is that it's, it's going to take probably more than one class. It's going to take multiple classes. It's going to take multiple years. Um, you know, and that's it's just tough having gone through a couple losing seasons and then having to basically bottom out before you can start looking up a little bit. So here we are. Um, <laughs> rock bottom. Rock bottom. Well, then, uh, and then yeah. if, if Morris isn't the answer, you know, if you get – and I think Tom talked about it last week – about our good recruiting class, and everybody's hyped about that. And uh, and you talk about all the pot momentum you can get from recruiting, but also it can backfire if, you know, we have a couple of losing seasons and recruits are like, well, he's not actually going to get it done. So then our recruiting goes back down to where it is, I mean, to where it normally is, or even lower, like under Bielema. And then you get into this, how many years are you down? Do you ever come back? Do you turn into Kentucky and Vanderbilt? Um, and I know Kentucky's having a good year, but everybody, I mean, Vanderbilt had a couple of good years under Franklin. So is that what you turn into? Or do you, I mean, it could take 
years or even a decade or two to recover if you don't if Morris isn't the right guy because we've already how many years we're six years into this thing so um that's the part that's dispiriting for a lot of hog fans you still you're not really sure you're excited about a recruiting class but can you get some wins and build on that and get more good classes in here and really get it turned around and get Arkansas back to where everybody expects to be um to where we're winning eight nine games going to bowl games and once every four or five years you know you have those special seasons yeah I mean it, it's a great point and kind of a, a look forward to the future and it, it all kind of goes back to Johnny Fable's favorite guy who was in the news uh, this week for, for losing his job for actual football related reasons instead <laughs> of through scandal or other debauchery uh bobby p back on the market johnny would you hire him back no i mean i think the ship's long since sailed i mean it's really weird i don't know who was it said it may have been someone not in this group but someone said to me or i heard heard it may have been one of y'all but uh that a lot of these coaches are such narcissists and 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 a-holes that once they kind of lose that a-hole edge, they kind of lose their coaching edge. It's almost like that's what's happened to Bobby P. You know, I, I of course, maybe he was still an a-hole. Maybe, I don't know. But um, it's almost like what, that, what he went through at, 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 that year at Arkansas, that he got fired, and, and uh, then his year out of coaching. It's that nicer, kinder Bobby P. He claimed he tried to be. It's like he never, never got that edge back. Uh, yeah, he had a Heisman Trophy winner, and, you know Lamar Jackson, his senior, the year he won the Heisman, they were sitting at nine and one, looked poised to really make a run into the uh, playoff, and then it kind of hit the skid there at the end, and it's never recovered. So um, I don't know. It's it's almost like he's lost his edge, and uh, uh, seems like that's kind of hard to get back once you lose it. Well, he lost his ability to recruit, and then he had no staff. I mean, his whole staff was like his his relatives. Because, I mean, he couldn't – he'd burned so many bridges and so many assistants, you know, that uh, people didn't go to, like, high-top, high-end assistants didn't want to go work for Trino. So that's why he had all these, like, his sons and stepsons, and, I mean, son-in-law. Brothers. Brothers yeah. and all these people that had been – I mean, it was like the nuts version, you know, the Murray State Mafia game. It was like his whole crony crew, and they, like, he didn't really have any – uh, assistance that could cover up or some of the, you know, the recruiting mistakes and you know, it's just it was a weird deal and, you know, it was telling that the Louisville AD not only canned Petrino, he canned all of Petrino's, like, family members. Not the rest of the staff, it was just Petrino and his family members. So, I'm sure the rest of the staff will be gone when a new coach comes in, but they had to keep somebody around, but it wasn't anybody connected to Petrino as far as being a relative. That's, so, that is weird. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of telling in the whole thing. And, I, you know, just a little bit I'd read. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I don't really keep up with Louisville, since, especially since Lamar Jackson had left. But the little bit I'd seen is the guys, that, like his sons or son-in-law or whoever was on his staff really weren't qualified, obviously not qualified to be on ACC staff. And so it's just there's a whole combination of things. And, it you know, at some point, you know, those schemes that Petrino come up with on offense, even they get outdated. And, like, younger coaches like Lincoln Riley and coaches like that have, have 
passed him by as far as the offense. So his schemes aren't quite as, you know, uh, cutting edge as it used to be. So um, that stuff happens. And now, you know, I don't think for Petrino, he'll probably won't ever get another power five job. He probably, I would think Petrino doesn't have the personality, I don't think, to go into any kind of TV or huh. that. No. But, no. <laughs> I would think he would probably go coach somewhere else, but probably he's going to have to go to a much lower level. To do. Yeah, I mean, I would think so too, right? I mean, <clears throat> there's got to be a – he may, but, you know, Houston Nutt hadn't been able to crack it again. I think Petrino just having that history now, and now people have a data point of, gosh, he's run two programs pretty well into the ground at full speed. He's just radioactive right now, and uh, I don't I also know. Think, I, mean, I also he, think unless you're, yeah, I was gonna say once unless you're super successful, it's like once you hit a certain age, especially with. I mean, you know, I'm sure we all all read about this stuff, you know, in, in, in your job, but you know that, you know, the and I do think sometimes it's kind of BS, but there is some some of it I think is accurate, but uh, you know the generational differences, you know, millennials, Gen X, all that stuff, you know, and, and there's a you know, I think Nick Saban can recruit and, and, and relate to, to millennial kids and kids of this next generation because they just went a lot, not because of his sterling personality or his great, you know, public speaking abilities. But, you know, I, I think that for someone, for a lot of these guys, unless you went a lot, you get a little older, it just becomes a little harder to relate, a little harder to recruit. And, and um, well, that's where you've got to have a good staff. Right. You know, look, look at Saban's assistants. Look at how many of them have gone on to be – you know, big time college head coaches, and look at the guys on the staff now versus you know got like who Petrino had on the staff or Houston Nutt who he had on his staff, or even uh, uh, excuse me, James Shebest. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember when Bielema left from Wisconsin? He said one of the reasons he was they were hamstrung with the budget, uh, their budget, and Alvarez wouldn't let him go spend money on assistance. Well, then when Bielema came in here, look who we kept replacing after. Uh, the offensive line coach, the one that was really successful left. What was his name? Partridge. Yeah, Partridge. Partridge. Yeah. Once he left, we started trotting in these guys that were like offensive line video coordinators in the NFL, and they were disasters. So he was just basically – so he, was, he wasn't bringing in top-shelf assistants. After and, we, and we had a ton of turnover, too. Cheney. I mean, we had – I mean, we, you, we, you can name a lot of our, our, our coordinators who we cycled through very quickly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. – I mean, and not because um, they were going to get – they were leaving to get away from Bielan, uh for the most part. And Bielan, or Bielan was running them off. And I remember our media just absolutely just roasting Cheney all the time. And Cheney's gone on to be very successful. And so I don't – quite understand it but yeah those last couple of offensive line coaches that Bill and I had were t- awful and I have a question just while we're on the subject do you remember a couple weeks ago when Minnesota gave up 55 to Illinois or Rutgers or somebody like that they, they gave up yeah I think it was Illinois yeah, they talked about the Minnesota defensive coordinator got fired was that yeah. double B Rob yeah, yes. yeah, it was Rob Smith, yes. Rob Smith, <laughs> Rob Bates. Because I was just down. like, wow, I found another job. 
Yeah, remember, and it happened right away, and everyone's like, oh, it's such a good fit. He's from there, and blah, 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 blah. And he showed him in all his Minnesota gear, and he got canned by P.J. Fleck for a three-and-eight Minnesota team. I'm like, dang, dude. Mm. Rob Bates, DJ Easy Rock. um, Jimmy G, Johnny Fayetteville already had his chance on Mississippi State, or at least gave his first – level analysis why don't you do that before we get too much further down the road yeah i wouldn't disagree with what uh johnny said i mean mississippi state their defense is they're kind of the poor man's version of lsu i mean they lost 19 to 3 and to lsu in a game you've totally seen that score coming neither team can move the ball both team plays uh really good defense and the game was at lsu so you figured lsu would have an edge and um so I can see a similar type game to what we played last Saturday. Uh, Mississippi State's defense is phenomenal. Uh, their offense is not very good. Uh, so it's in Starkville. Now it is the dreaded 11 a.m. kick. Uh, <laughs> so, um, And I'm sure Mississippi State, they just played Alabama. They're not going to be riled up for 11 a.m. start against a 2-8 Arkansas team. So, uh Either they're going to be flat or at best they're going to be like LSU, just business-like. I'm going to be super fired up. And so, yeah, it's probably not going to be a bloodletting, but it's probably not going to be a very exciting game to watch. Uh, we can't move the ball, and their defense is really good, so I wouldn't look for a lot of points to be scored on our end. And I don't think they'll score that many just because their offense is about like LSU. It's just not, it's not good at all. Well, if anyone's familiar with the 11 a.m. kick, should be the Hogs. Yeah, uh, I will say this for last Saturday night in Fayetteville. It was and I was, mainly there hasn't been anything approaching a night game up there this year. Uh, the Eastern Illinois game kicked off at three o'clock on Labor Day weekend, but other than that, it had been really early kicks. And uh, just walking from the parking lot to the stadium, it was about as wild a scene as I as I'd ever experienced walking through tailgating because really. It was, hmm. well, and I think it was just the fact it was the only night game the whole year, and it was the last one, because there were more people like laid out. There were people <laughs> staggering into the stadium. I think people were just, and it was not. I'm not not older people. It was the students that were in younger, like mid twenties. Uh, there were girls being carried into the stadium. They were like passed <laughs> out. They were when I got into the stadium. Uh, it was like wall to wall in the concourse. Uh, people were slur- yelling and cussing and slurring. It felt like an NFL crowd. There was an angry edge to it, and uh, it was just the most bizarre thing. Because I was like, I, I had not really ever experienced that in all my years of going to Razorback Stadium. And uh, people were just, I, I, you, you could notice like all the drunkenness. Uh, really, and, you know, we're on the home side. I, I don't even know what it was like on the student side. With the with the visitor, like the, you know, the east side of the stadium, and so when we got into the seats, it really didn't look to be uh, the student section was full, but usually the student section doesn't fill in until around halftime. But it was full before the game, and then by the first quarter, it was obviously the whole thing wasn't filled in, but the whole lower level looked filled in, and the upper deck was it was a little bit bigger, it, it, but the level of noise and the just the yelling and the cussing 
was really crazy. And I thought, my Lord, people were getting drunk today. So, I mean, act like you've been there. But then I thought it's the first night game at Razorback Stadium this year. So, maybe. But it was it was just bizarre. And uh, it was a pretty good atmosphere. I mean, it was loud in there. And people were riled up. But I think by halftime, all that had worn off. And people were starting to trickle out. And then by the third quarter, when everybody was leaving, uh, it was kind of back to normal. <laughs> I, I'm really surprised to hear you say that. I just – it didn't seem like people would be all that fired up for this team on that night. But I don't I think they were fired up for the team. I think they were just fired up because they finally got to tailgate all day. <laughs> just bored. Nothing else to do but drink. Right. And so it was just – I mean, I was sitting there – and I've been to a ton. <laughs> Obviously, we all have night games at Razorback Stadium. And uh, – but just the <laughs> – just walking through there, and I was like, holy cow, people are trashed. <laughs> and maybe because I was stone cold sober, I may have noticed. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe, it's, maybe for Jimmy G, it might be like that really first warm day in the spring. Like, oh, it's so hot! It's like seventy two degrees. So <laughs> just, uh, just, it was just an experience. But uh, yeah, there was a couple of young ladies though going down the stairs from uh, where all those tents are over by the parking deck, walking down the stairs to the stadium, and like they were literally like carrying these girls down the stairs. And they were just like. <laughs> They were in La La Land. Let <laughs> 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 oh, just see it. All right, Johnny, you got any other analysis on Mississippi State? They're going to be hard to score against. I mean, um, Jimmy G pointed out a good point. 19-3 to LSU. I think they lost 24 to nothing against Alabama. Um, obviously, holding Alabama 24 points is a heck of a feat. <laughs> I still don't know how we scored 31 on them. That would be the mystery of the entire season college football season as to how that happened. But, yeah, I just hard for me to see Arkansas scoring a lot of points. Um, Fitzgerald's obviously a very mobile quarterback, been very inconsistent in the passing game. He had a streak of about three or four games where he threw for over 200, 250 yards a game. Um, but he's had some real stinkers too. So, uh, you know, don't know what you're going to get from him. Similar to last week, for us to be in a game with an actual chance to win, it's going to take a slew of turnovers. And um, anytime you're banking on that, you're not really banking on a win. Um, but that's what it's going to take. You know, some, some help from Mississippi State. Um, just hard to see us scoring more than about, I mean, at best, 14, 17 points. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Well, nothing more to add from my perspective. Uh, Jimmy G, you want to launch us into the pick segment? Uh, well, as uh, we all predicted last week, everybody was successful with all those large point spreads for the big games. Um, the <laughs> the picks that Tom and Patrick got uh, ridiculed for uh, were rightly ridiculed. They were both bad picks. Uh, <laughs> Auburn lost 27-10. to 10, and, uh, I don't know if they got a first down in the second half against Georgia. And then uh, BC maybe cracked 100 yards in total offense against Clemson. Um, and lost uh, twenty-seven to seven. So, uh, and Patrick could have been six and zero on the week, but nope, he had to take BC. So uh, great, one, great call. Five and one. Uh, Johnny was five and one. Uh, his loss was his uh, sleeper pick. Texas Tech got beat, and mm. then uh, just barely bitter yep. pill. Oh, bitter pill. Uh, Tom Logan was four and two. Uh, he lost his sleeper pick, Miami, and, of course, the Auburn pick. 
And then uh, I was also 5-1. and one. My sleeper pick did not hit. Uh, Wisconsin was uh, soundly defeated by Penn State. So and I think that was my first sleeper win of the year, and I'm not joking. Tennessee over Kentucky. Well, I will, uh, I'll peruse the record books and uh, see if that's right, and we'll, I'll get back to you on that next week. <laughs> if it's not, it certainly feels like it. Okay. Um, I honestly had to check Tom's today when I was uh, doing the records. Uh, he had Miami over uh, Georgia Tech, and I honestly didn't know who won that game. I was sitting there thinking, I don't know who won that game. And so, but uh, Georgia Tech did pull it out. I still am not quite sure that's right. Um, even though, you know, <laughs> that's it's like that. I still don't remember. Um, that's uh, like one of those. There's those games in the ACC that you're just never sure about that they actually occurred. You know? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just it's like okay, maybe. Um, uh, Virginia played Syracuse. Okay, uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe that happened. ACC is just other than Clemson. If that's you a- can take Clemson out of the ACC. The whole conference would be – they'd all be the one same team. You know, you can just throw the pot up and pull them out of a hat for whoever be in the championship game. The, the one team that I – you have to say, the Qs. You know, the, the Qs has actually had a pretty good season. Their offense is really, really good. But uh, that's – wow, the aberration since Donovan McNabb graduated. Yeah. Um, and then what, Pitt, who's going to win the Coastal? They're it's only- like – yeah. They lost in North Carolina. North Carolina's won one game. It was over Pitt. <laughs> I mean, the ACC's it, bad this year. It is bad. It's horrible. So, and I think, uh, like NC State fell apart against Wake Forest. Oh like, yeah, in the last second, last what a minute. Gag. I mean, of course that's NC State. You wouldn't expect any different. Um. Anyway, uh, this week's game, slate of games, ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it is so bad. Uh, <laughs> but luckily, let's just uh, uh, get our good friends in the northeast corner of the state. They're, you know, one game a year. I put them on the list. Uh, I was hoping I could avoid it this year, but um, this week's slate was so bad. Uh, they are hosting UL Monroe, and uh, Monroe has won, I believe, five or six in a row, and they're six and four now to get bowl eligible uh the red wolves kind of uh muddling along they've turned the corner a little bit won a couple games in a row uh but not having the typical uh arkansas state season of the last you know seven eight years so uh big game here for sunbelt probably bowl positioning um both teams are bowl eligible i think both teams are bowl eligible it's arkansas state they've won five six, six. They're, they're six and four okay so both teams are six and four um, listening to a station out of Monroe every morning because I'd rather listen to them than the Yahoos in Arkansas. Uh, I get a lot of Monroe news and you know Monroe, and they talk about them a little bit. And uh, I believe they were saying a couple of days ago that Monroe is one of the three teams that has six wins that's not projected to go to a bowl game yet, which I <laughs> I found a little hmm. odd because I thought the Sun Belt has like five or six bowl tie-ins and there's like yeah. something bowl games. So. Uh, could be a big game for Monroe uh, because their last two, they're at State, and then they play uh, – they close out the year like they do every year against uh, UL Lafayette or Louisiana. And I believe they've lost like double digits in a row to Louisiana, so they may really need a win to get to a bowl game. Uh, the Indians – or sorry, <laughs> the Red Wolves. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> the Red Wolves. Sorry, uh, not sorry. Says it's Jimmy only G. been what a decade or so since that <laughs> happened. Um, the they, I'm pretty sure they're not. Don't really have much of a chance of going to the Sun Belt title game. But I don't know if they may mathematically still have a shot at whatever division they're in in the Sun Belt. So it's in Jonesboro. Should be a good time up there in the northeast corner. I'm sure some of the pod members are, are probably going to that game instead of Starkville. Uh, so then maybe that's where maybe Tom Logan wasn't able to quite join in because he's on the road to Jonesboro tonight for a, a long extended weekend and scouting before the game. I'm not sure that I would go that far. I think it's possible that pod members may know somebody who's in the stadium <laughs> in Jonesboro. Uh, okay, maybe. Um, but we'll see. Possibly. We'll see next week on the show if uh, any crew members made it to Jonesboro. Um, we'll start with a resident uh, Arkansas State expert, um, Patrick Williams. <laughs> oh, no one knows more about Jones Vegas than yours truly. Um, uh, what's Centennial Bank Stadium or whatever it is. I don't even know if that's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Um, Going to pick the Red Wolves in honor of El Presidente. Um, Arkansas State, they're all black unis. And runs it up on UL Monroe. Thirty-five to ten. Oh, nice, Johnny. A lot of offense in this game. Um, Justice Hanson, when he's not throwing the ball, the other team's been really effective this year. Uh, that was seen you know, even in a couple game skid they had in the middle of the season. They just couldn't stop turning the ball over. Um, Hanson was just off. He seemed to have gotten a lot more accurate. I can't you know, believe he didn't win the OU job. I hard to believe. Did. It's hard to believe. It, it is. <laughs> Um, but, you know, he was very accurate in our last game. I think he was something like 18 of 21 or 18 of 22 uh, in a big blowout of Coastal Carolina, who has Razorbacks, I tell you, no, no pushover. No pushover. No, they're good. They're <laughs> good. But, you know, hey, the War, but the Warhawks, uh, you know, ULM's coming in rolling too. The, like Jimmy G said, won six in a row, been throwing the ball over the yard. Um, a lot of points this game. I, I think the line's a little screwy. The line I saw was ASU by nine and a half. Wow. I that's a lot of points, uh, especially against a ULM, a ULM team uh, really rolling right now and scoring a lot of points. I'm going to take ASU, but, boy, closer than that spread. I would If I'm a, if we were sports investing, I would take <laughs> ULM here. Um, but I'm going to take Arkansas State to win it, final score 44-43. But if you're trying to invest your money, I would look at the uh, Warhawks. That seems like a lot of points in a game that's going to be pretty, pretty up and down the field. Yeah, that is, and uh, you know, AS, uh, Monroe they score like you said they score a lot of points. Uh, I know last year they had maybe the worst defense in uh, FBS, but their defense has improved. Of course, you can't really do anything but improve a little bit. Um, but I, I don't. It's going to be tough. If the game was in Monroe, I'd give them a good chance to come away with a win. But uh, having to go to Jonesboro, even as uh, hot as they've been, I think. Arkansas State making enough plays on offense and uh, maybe get themselves uh, force a couple of turnovers from Monroe that are the difference in the game. And uh, I'm going to take the the Red Wolves. Oh, probably 38 to 24. What do you think about that? What do you think about that line though? I think you you think ASU covers, huh? I do, but I think there's like 38 24. I think there's a high probability of a backdoor cover, maybe a late yeah, touchdown from yeah. Monroe. Because, yeah, nine and a half, that's a lot of points. 
Yeah, dreaded backdoor yeah, cover. Backdoor cover at, every time. Yeah, I yeah. see it at eight, but same principle. I mean, although there's a big difference between nine and a half and eight. Yeah, point and a half. <laughs> point a minute, Jimmy. Jimmy G, G, point a minute. Jimmy G's got his abacus out. He figured that out. <laughs> I'm doing that Common Core math. Oh, I'm loving the Common Core. Despise uh, it. Tom Logan um, is is a. Uh, He's Morse coding his picks into me, and I think Logan uh, selected the Warhawks here. We'll give him, a, we'll give him a blowout. <laughs> is he? Is he really? No, he's not Morse coding oh. his picks. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to read it if he were understand it if he was. <laughs> well, I was. I was about to push for the ruling on Tom Logan now that he's here not to defend himself, but he gets an over this week. But I guess he can still uh, I technically. Know, I, I, this has been my fault. I've not been sent. I didn't send him the picks all those weeks we were out, though he could have asked for them. Um, but I will, I will try to get a pod email together so we can email and Tom can submit his picks to everybody. Um, all right. Well, uh, in the, I will let everyone know our listeners and our that there are no SEC games on our list this week because the SEC, other than Arkansas, of course, because uh, most of the SEC teams have gone back to Labor Day weekend and are playing uh, FCS or Cupcake Companies. <laughs> In uh, preparation for um, their big showdowns Thanksgiving weekend with uh, arch rivals and such, except for uh, Tennessee is playing Missouri, and that almost became uh, one of our national games. How sad this oh. is. <laughs> but, uh, That's just, prime sleeper material right there. I ended up going – then I discovered I'd left out the game day game. So I removed Tennessee and Missouri. It's a prime sleeper pick perhaps. But uh, we're going to uh, Orlando. Cincinnati is uh, traveling to UCF. Uh, game day will be there. And I believe oh. Herbie and Fowler will be announcing. And I think it's one of three matchups of top 25 teams this week. Which tells you how awful the slate is. Um, so, Cincinnati at UCF. Uh, UCF harboring some slim hopes of the playoff, which I don't really think are there. But um, who knows? insanity could occur and uh you know chaos could reign and UCF could sneak in but I I like what Luke Fickle's done at Cincinnati uh their only loss this year I think was in overtime at Temple um so they've got a quality club you know Temple's probably the maybe the second or third best team in that conference uh but I just think there's I think there's too many weapons, and UCF's offense is too explosive. You know, I, I've seen them, and I think we all probably have seen a couple of their Thursday night games. And the one with Temple a couple of weeks ago, you know, it was back and forth. But then, you know, at some point, you just can't keep up with UCF if you're one of these American teams in uh, the AAC. And I think Cincinnati's going to end to that. Their defense is probably going to finally wear out, and their offense just isn't quite good enough to keep up. So I'll say UCF. Uh, the fourth quarter pulls away from what it will probably be a pretty tight game until then. UCF 31, Cincinnati uh, 19. Johnny? Two great offenses, you know. I mean, Jimmy G kind of kind of spoke to it. <coughs> Both Desmond Ritter uh, and, and Mackenzie Milton have had big years, uh, but they're not, they're not the sole uh, weapons on their teams. Uh, I know both teams. I saw a stat early in the week where they both teams are averaging, I think, over 250 yards rushing, even with those explosive quarterbacks making big plays down the field. So, a lot of points here. 
um, playing. They're they're playing uh, in Orlando, so uh, that gives Central Florida a little bit of an advantage, obviously. But you know, Central Florida is just they. When's the last time they've even lost? It's they're working on almost two years undefeated. Um, I think you know who the last team to beat them is, and they will let you know about it incessantly. I really don't even know Arkansas State. Ah, oh, jeez, how did I miss that? <laughs> well, I mean, that, you know, but at some point, you know, the talent is obviously there. They've got a lot of offensive skill players, uh, a lot of speed, but uh, this, they just know how to win, man. And I expect they'll do it this week. I think Cincinnati's going to come in and give them a good game. Cincinnati's got an explosive team. Um, Jimmy G's right. Pickle's done a great job. Um, just think that UCF, they know how to win. They're at home. Uh, final score, UCF 38-31. Nine point line, I believe, or ten. Oh, same kind of line as they say mm-hmm. in Monroe. Yep. yep, I'd say about say thirty-eight, thirty-one UCF. Okay, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like them, but it's it's really hard to pick against them. They're they're pretty good, and I'm not a big fan of Cincinnati. I think I like Hypo as a coach. I really do. I just I don't like the they've kind of UCF has taken the mantle of. Um, Boise State as the hey, you know poor more pose poor me you know I don't get to go to the playoffs even though I haven't lost a game in two years way 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 it's kind of getting old but I, I do respect their team and I do respect how good they are against the schedule they play all that being said I'm going to pick UCF here I just don't think Cincinnati's quite ready to go down there and, and beat them um, even though I'd like to see it. So UCF, 38, Cincinnati, 34. All right. Well, we'll step out of the Sun Belt and the American Athletic Conference. Yeah, so uh, why? Why? <laughs> and we'll move into the Big 12. Some action? Are you going to pick some action? <laughs> hey, I'm watching Miami and uh, Northern Illinois right now. Uh, <laughs> I bet you it's uh, warm and balmy in uh, DeKalb. <laughs> it's uh, – well, it's uh, Miami's up thirteen to seven early in the fourth quarter. Just punted. There's uh, a few people in the stands. Uh, you can see the breath coming out of the players as the players are on the field, and it is uh, it looks miserable. Uh, I think there's a little mist. It's uh, it's maxing have, all right. It's um, been maxing all over. We had two maxing tonight. We got another one tomorrow. It's the time of year when Maxion just dominates the movie. Oh, love, love Tuesday and Wednesday night Maxion late in the season. <laughs> well, you know, the, the big game was Buffalo and Ohio, but I flipped that off because Ohio was just uh, just dominating Buffalo. So, um, well, anyway, we'll go to the Big 12. Uh, two teams that are still alive to go to the Big 12 championship game. Um, Iowa State at Texas. Uh, Iowa State – is I believe in the top 20 now in the playoff rankings, maybe 17 or 18, uh, lofty status for the Cyclones. Um, and if it wasn't for that horrendous loss early in the year to an inferior Iowa team, uh, <laughs> the Cyclones could be uh, really uh, in the top 15 even. Um, but uh, if they beat Texas and West Virginia loses to OU, I believe the Cyclones will be in the Big 12 championship game. I believe that's right. Yeah. So, uh, but no, but both, neither thing is a given. I mean, it's going to be in this game's in Austin, and OU's got to go to Morgantown. So, uh, still a lot of road between 
uh, here in Jerry World for the Cyclones. So this should be a, this uh, the second of our three top 25 matchups. Uh, Longhorns coming off a good win in Lubbock after the, the good bounce back after their tough loss to West Virginia. So, uh, Johnny, we'll start with you on this one. I haven't been right about a Texas game all season, it feels like. <laughs> And and I and I've got a feeling I'm gonna probably screw this one up too. But I'm gonna take Iowa State. Um, Iowa State, uh, um, they've just been efficient in their wins, and you know, can control the ball and and playing good defense, playing good fundamental football. Um, you know, the, what I've seen Texas out this year, I think that's why I've, I've screwed up so many of their games. Is they've just kind of been here and there, and, and I don't ever really know what to expect. So, hell, I'm just going to keep it going and go Iowa State. I think they're going to take advantage of some of the inconsistencies that Texas had in the passing game. Oh, there are literally dozens of people in the stands from action. Those I mean, people are just literally – those people are bundled up in blankets. Oh, oh man, miserable. that looks freezing. <laughs> and there are about 25 people in the stands. They better be drunk. The only section uh, that's like has continuous people next to each other is where the band is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've been I've been flipping back and forth between uh, Indiana. I've done some scouting for Razorback basketball. Watched the Indiana Marquette game. Uh, they watched still punking Marquette. Yeah, they're killing Marquette. They look pretty good. So, um, yeah. well, they're, they're without three of their starters tonight. Oh, that's good. Uh, anyway, so I, I, I'm going to take Iowa State uh, coming off that big that big win against Texas Tech that. Uh, where the Red Raiders got crabtreed, so I'm going to say Texas a little bit deflated. Boy, you know, you know, when you see that uh, mustard and ketchup uniform coming in from Iowa State, maybe they don't get up like they should. I think that's going to, I think that's going to be a mistake. Um, Iowa State, they play fundamental football, man. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't screw up. They they make you beat them. Um, and, and I think Texas could come in a little bit flat, a little bit uh, uh, spent, make a couple mistakes. Iowa State final score. 31-24. Yeah, I'm not sure where. Uh, I know they Iowa State lost in Ames to OU. They lost the Iowa game. I'm not sure where the third loss was. I but can't TCU, remember. They lose to TCU. Yeah, they lost to TCU, I okay, believe. Before TCU imploded. Yes. Um, so, uh, well, no shame in any of those losses. Now, it's, but Except when they played TCU and Iowa, TCU and Iowa were much better teams. Um Texas, I I don't think I've been quite as bad on their games as Johnny, but it's been close. Um, I they are just a weird team to figure out. Um, they, I don't think they're as good as their record, but I don't think they're as bad as um, you know some people think they might. They it's not smoke and mirrors. I think they're somewhere in the middle there, and their record's probably about where it should be. Uh, hmm. Man, I don't know. I, I'm going to take the Longhorns since they're at home. Uh, night game, crowd should be pretty good. I know Texas doesn't usually have a tradition of having rapid crowds there, but I think their crowds have been a little better now, uh, especially with Herman coming in. So I think Iowa State keeps the, the Texas offense in check, which they typically do. Their defense always does a good job. Uh, you know, see what they did. I mean, OU moved the ball pretty well on them, but, you know, that's a really one of the best offenses in the country. But, you know, they did a good job. You know, OU didn't score 50. And then West, West Virginia, their defense really did a great job against Will Greer, forced a few turnovers. So I think scoring to be a bit lower, but I think Texas 
pulls it out in the fourth quarter as they want to do. As Arkansas remembers uh, from the 80s, 70s, a lot of times <laughs> getting the, being on the wrong end of one of those late Texas surges. Uh, so I'll say Texas 23, Iowa State 17. Patrick? Yeah, I agree with Jimmy G. I mean, it would be kind of a good story, give a little bit of drama to the end of the Big 12 season to see ISU pull this out and maybe have a little intrigue coming down to the wire um, <laughs> with Big 12. I don't really see it happening, though. I think going out of Austin's a tough lift for this group. They're, they're good. They're solid. They've made a lot of progress. That win over West Virginia looks looks real good on the resume right now, but they played a perfect game against West Virginia at home. And I just – I don't think that can happen in Austin against the Longhorns, even if they are a little flat after playing a good game against Texas Tech. I'm going to pick Texas to to win, but but kind of like uh, Jim G says, a uh, little different score, although similar, a 28-26 Texas win. All right. Uh, and now – Kind of surprised game day uh, did not go to this game so they could have done the New York City thing again. But uh, Notre Dame is playing Syracuse and Yankee Stadium, uh, the Shamrock Series game, where they you know they go all around the country playing somebody and uh, wear their Shamrock Series uniforms. But I did see today they are wearing they're not wearing gold helmets for the first time since they they stopped using leather helmets. Whoa! Uh, and says the writer that said is that. Do you really want to be messing with this season? You're undefeated. <laughs> you're ranked. You know you're in the playoff right now. You've just got two games between you and uh, playoff berth, and you decide now we're not going to wear our gold helmets. Uh, what are they going to wear? They're wearing the Shamrock Series. You know they always wear you know the crazy uniforms for the Shamrock Series game, but they usually still keep the gold helmets. But uh, the helmet I saw a picture of was black matte with like a little gold trim. And then the center was like the Irish logo with a circle around it. And then it had, it was like a circle and it had the green Irish logo. And like the part where the logo wasn't inside the circle was just white with like pinstripes, like Yankees since they're playing in Yankee Stadium. So, uh, I mean, it didn't look awful. The black mat didn't, but the, I don't know why the circle, like the the gold part was the circle. I'm not, you know, the little outline of the circle was the gold part. Um, I don't know if that's actually their uniform, but it it looked like it. I had seen their jerseys and pants earlier, like on like a sports center or something, you know, months ago. They were talking about they were going to wear these pinstripe uniforms for Yankee Stadium. But I did not know the gold helmet was going to go away. So that could be a little uh, <laughs> tempting fate if you're the Irish. Um, but uh, I think this game will be decided by something else besides uniforms. Um and I like, I'll just get, I like Notre Dame. I, Syracuse is good. I really have been impressed with what they've done this year, especially uh, controlled the Clemson game. Probably should have won the won that game. Uh, and then they let that game maybe beat them twice, though Pitt has now come on, and Pitt's probably going to be in the ACC championship game. They lost to Pitt the next week. Uh, those are their two losses. Um, but I don't think their defense is, is good enough against Notre Dame. Uh, Iron Book is going to be back this week. Um, the Irish are healthy. They have really been rolling. I, this is not – the only close call they had was the Pitt game, and I don't really know the shame in that now. Pitt is just 
dom they crushed Virginia Tech last week. Uh, so I like Notre Dame. I think Duke keeps it close to three quarters, but um, Yankee Stadium will probably be. You know, Syracuse has a huge following. I think if it was a hoops game in Madison Square Garden against Notre Dame, they'd have more fans. But I think Notre Dame is going to have more fans for a football game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, so that probably won't be a huge edge for Syracuse. I'll say Notre Dame, and I think this may be the best game of the day. Uh, even I mean, as far as ranking, plus I think it has the potential to be just a really tight game. But I think Notre Dame pulls away in the fourth quarter, 34-23 to 23 Irish. Patrick? Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I was going to ask the question about Book playing and if he's playing. Not that it would truly matter a lot against Q's. Oh, Q's, you know, uh, it's it's a little tempting to go ahead and take a flyer. In fact, I will. I'll, I'll go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm talking myself <laughs> into it. Talk to Notre Dame in the next breath. He's Yeah, I, I talked myself into it. I'm going Q's. Dino Babers, um, Cuse is going to pull it out, shock the world, knock Notre Dame out of the playoff, open up for potential second SEC team, Georgia, or maybe a second Big Ten team to get in there. Maybe, maybe, just maybe the Palouse sneaks in if, with this a Notre Dame loss. second Big Ten team? Oh. <laughs> How is that possible? Yeah, I don't know. Um, may, yeah, I don't know. never mind. Um, but I guess it would be the Palouse, right? If uh, if Notre Dame's out, it's got to be Washington State if they went out. Anyway, too far ahead of myself there. Uh, Cuse goes ahead and classic, instant classic to redeem a, a really horrible week of college football slate. 31-30, last second field goal. Ooh. Johnny? You know, this has been a kind of a schizophrenic college football season. You know, I think like Jimmy G made a couple points about who's beating who in the ACC. I mean, there's been some really weird results. But one of the constants this year has been Notre Dame. Uh, they're, they've been really good, especially and they've, they've been good with Book. They've been good with, good with Winbush sometimes, although obviously I think they're more explosive than Book under center. But their defense has been really good. Uh, haven't, I don't think they've given up 30 points all season. Top ten in a lot of defensive categories, uh, and I think that's the difference. I think they can put some stops and put some clamps uh, on Syracuse at times during this game. Although Syracuse is going to have their moments, their 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 offense is is, is pretty solid, and you got to give them respect for getting them back that that program to back to eight and two. Um, I, I just think that that that, that um, they're going to get in Dungey's face a little bit, and and I, I think Notre Dame is able to make a few more plays defensively. And Syracuse can make, uh, but both teams' offenses are, are really good. Uh, I think Syracuse will have some uh, um, some success. Uh, Notre Dame nine and a half point favorite. That seems about right to me. Maybe I probably take Notre Dame um, in points. Um, anyway, Notre Dame final score. Do a little bit of Schwam thirty seven to twenty four. Ah, that's not uh, too Schwam. <laughs> Now we get to uh, Arkansas-Mississippi State, uh, 11 a.m. kick. Uh, the old Raycom-Jefferson pilot slot. Uh, but it's on ESPN proper. That tells you how awful the slate of games is this Saturday. 
when uh, Big ESPN is airing Arkansas and Mississippi State. Um, <laughs> so uh, fans all around the country right, lead in from game day right to Arkansas. That will be something else. Oh, uh, sure, they're gonna be, and they're going to be doing the live look-ins during game day. Yeah, it's going to be the be uh, thank only God thirty minutes to kick off. Thank goodness that game's not in Fable because it would look like this Northern Illinois crowd if it was there. <laughs> um, uh, okay, uh, Patrick, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to say uh, there's there's just no chance Arkansas is going to go down there and, and pull this off. I mean, okay, yeah, Johnny. You're right. Six turnovers, early kickoff. Any, story any, story anytime, plays out of his gourd. Anytime you're saying six turnovers, you're basically admitting you're going to lose. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Kareem Boyd goes for 7,000 yards. No. Isn't it Kareem? I think we've called him Kareem all night. Well, yeah, it was. That's a dig on Wally Hall. Yeah. We called oh, him Kareem in his yeah. column. Yeah. I haven't heard Wally in a while. Yeah, he called him Kareem in the uh, okay that, well, in that his column. Right. That sounds right. Uh, score, I agree. Low scoring. Um, Twenty-one seven, Mississippi State. All right. Uh, the over under, by the way, is forty-six and a half. Mm. Oh, I take the under. So uh, I, I agree with everybody's points in our analysis of the game and. Uh, Patrick, whoa, Radford beat Notre Dame tonight in basketball. Hmm. Hmm. That's, a, that's a weird Irish or must be down this year. Uh, um, I agree with Patrick, uh, low-scoring game. Uh, Mississippi State kind of goes through the motions, but still it's enough to beat Arkansas, who's at this point now with no more home games, even get fired up about something like playing at home. It's just going to try to get out of Dodge these last two weeks. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what, what kind of effort we're going to see. Um, hopefully good effort from the young guys, the seniors. I can't imagine them being anything but checked out. Um, so I'll say Mississippi State 27, Arkansas 6. And ugh, just a, I think it's going to be a dreadful game for the Hogs. Uh Johnny? Sorry, yeah. Johnny with his sponsor's last, you know, main pick <laughs> I don't even know if the sponsors bailed shit too. But Johnny, the clean up spot for the Razorbacks. Oh man, it's I, I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's hard to to imagine uh how the Razorbacks can pull this one off. I think it's a, it's in addition to all the, the things that we've suffered through this year, this is a bad matchup for us. I mean uh I think uh, Mississippi State's defensive line is gonna dominate. Um, going to control the clock, wear us down in the second half. They'll probably gash us a couple times. Hard to see us scoring uh, very much. Uh, Mississippi State final score twenty four to six. All right, so nobody thinks the Hogs will break double digits. Um, so we'll see what happens on Saturday from Starkville. Hey, also, uh, Arkansas women uh, scored at the buzzer tonight to win, and I'm not sure they beat. Well, uh, probably someone like UConn, so it's probably yeah, win. that's win probably true. Arkansas, the, the ladybacks, uh, won the buzzer tonight. <laughs> um, well, I also saw a dude from Robert Morris tonight made 15 three-pointers, tied the Division uh-huh. One record. So, uh, And also in the bottom line scroll, it said he also led his team in scoring. <laughs> oh, good. Did he really? Okay. Thanks. Hope so. 
Thanks for that update. All right, now it's time. That Now, I'll say this. The slate for national games is bad. There are a ton of sleeper games out there. Um, <laughs> are just, oh, they look magical. Um, so, let's see. Who's got one? Patrick? Johnny? Oh, I'll, I'll jump out there, and, and Johnny, you can prime me if I've if I'm taking yours. No, go ahead. Uh, team on the well, rise. Patrick, wait a minute. Uh, Miami and Northern Illinois combined to go over on third down conversion in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 Downright Razorback-esque. <laughs> right, sorry, um, Patrick. Um, team on the rise, team on the fall. Uh, Michigan State, Sparty headed to Lincoln. Ooh. What do we like, Johnny? We like the home dog. We love the home dogs. And Nebraska is a home dog to Michigan State. And uh, I like the Huskers. I, I hate saying it, but I'm, just from a pure football standpoint, I think Nebraska is going to win. I think they're going to do so convincingly. I think they found something in the last Ooh. couple of weeks. Um, Nebraska 27, Michigan State 14. Ah, the home team getting points. What's better than that? Better than oh, that. Well, let, let's just, let's just let's just do that part. Do I'm uh, going out, I'm going out to the Bay Area in honor of our friend Uncle Rico uh, enjoying a little vacation out there right now. Uh, Stanford going across the Bay or not across the up the Bay I guess uh, from Palo Alto up to Berkeley, California. The uh, UC Bears, the home dog, getting two points. Uh, Stanford. Kind of an up and down year, kind of a, a little bit of a boring year for them, kind of, or an inconsistent year for them. I'm taking the home dog. Go Bears! Wake up the echoes of Aaron Rodgers. Wake up the echoes of uh, the band being on the field. This is the was this the big game? Mm-hmm. So this is the big game. Cal and uh, uh, Stanford hoping the band doesn't come out on the field. Um, Cal final score thirty twenty seven. Cal come off a big uh, win at USC last night. Yes, sir. Um, all right. Well, that leaves the whole board open. All the I wrote down five games. Y'all didn't pick any of those five, so I have the whole board open, which may be too much. Uh, maybe paralysis by analysis now. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to go to the SEC. And uh, Patrick didn't want to double up on him, but I am going to take the balls this week. Yeah, that, I was thinking about it. But. Balls are looking tough. Uh, Missouri's probably looking ahead to that battle line rivalry next week uh, in the trophy game against Arkansas. Um, oh, so probably gonna, yeah. Probably going to overlook Tennessee. And Tennessee, uh, as Patrick Williams predicted, uh, easily over Kentucky last Saturday. Um, I think the only thing that's going to get Kentucky right in their free fall is they get to play Louisville for their last game of the season. Um <laughs> So, uh, I'm going to go with the Vols over Missouri. Uh, Tennessee gets bowl eligible in Pruitt's first year. It'll be six wins for the Tennessee. Uh, I think this will be a little bit of an ugly game, as most Tennessee games are. Um, I'll say Vols 20, Missouri 16. And uh, watch out for Oklahoma State and Stillwater against West Virginia. Uh, yeah, that, was, that one's upset alert, I would say. Especially with OU coming to Morgantown next week. So, uh, and it's, you know, it's never any fun to go to Stillwater. So. <laughs> Holgerson's <laughs> old stopping grounds. Yeah, 
I thought it'd be good. Um, and we would be remiss we didn't mention uh, some of the big rivalry games start this uh, Saturday. UCLA is playing USC, uh, both battle of beautiful uniforms, but uh, teams that are not really going in the right direction at this point. So uh, we're sorry that UCLA and USC uh, did not make our cut, which just tells you how far both those programs have fallen. That's right. Can't wait for the Apple Cup either next week. Yeah, is that Friday or is it a? Uh, I can't remember. They messed around with the. Yeah, I think the they did play that one on. Fr- I did. Th- I think they played that one on Friday. Is the Egg Bowl on Thursday? I hope so. God, so. Yeah, I, don't it, what, I, I think it Egg is Bowl's Thursday. been on Thanksgiving night the last couple of years. Yeah. The OU West Virginia games Friday night. Oh whoa! Really? Yeah, I saw that on the schedule. It's like six or six thirty. So. Hmm. Arkansas will be safely safely through. <laughs> I love the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, and I like those kind of some crazy games on the, that Friday. Give us give me something to watch. Yeah, you know, well, for a couple. I think Iowa Nebraska's on same time as the Hogs or the two thirty kick Friday. I think our game's one thirty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our game's one thirty. What is the Iowa? What's what that? What's the Iowa Nebraska game play for? Is there a, is there a trophy? The, the Heroes game. The Heroes game. Yes, of course. I do like. I like the Thursday night college game because I can quit, I can finally get rid of all that NFL I have to watch all afternoon, which is usually <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> all right, thank you, Jimmy G. As always, uh, well done on the picks. And uh, just a uh, programming note: this is the time in the season where Razor Pod generally lets go of the rope. Uh, Thanksgiving <laughs> week, <laughs> as if uh, usually we uh, we do so ahead of the Razorbacks letting go of the rope. This this year we're uh, firmly behind the Razorbacks having let go of the rope. So uh, I'm sure not many listeners will regard it as a big loss to not have a Razor Pod next week. But uh, do we need to get uh, our Missouri preview in <laughs> briefly? God, <laughs> we. <laughs> We just mail it in. Can we email each other and put it on the blog? Well, I'm sure our listeners would like to. I, I think Arkansas is going to lose to Missouri. Just to let our listeners. Whoa, know. whoa, whoa! Hey, uh, breaking, breaking stop news. Stop the presses. Whoa! I think, uh, I think, uh, Cody Dick or what's the name of their quarterback? Nathan Locke. Locke. Andrew Locke. Drew, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Yeah, something like that. I think he's going to uh, have finally break out of the sluggish season and pass all over us. And I think we're going to score 10 points and probably lose. Like, I think it's going to be our earliest game. I think it's going to be like 52 to 10. Uh, you're probably right about that. I mean, it was so bad that, that I've completely, despite being an hour and 10 minutes away, I'm not going to Columbia. Why would Just, you? Uh, there's exactly, there's no reason to. We have to fight all that traffic. It's probably hard to get a ticket. Um, yeah, no, no and no. <laughs> Just no desire to. I think I'm burned on Columbia after watching Burt cough up a 24-7 halftime lead the last time I was there. Oh. Getting mocked uh, by, by Donald Northern Trump Illinois fans just, on the way out. <laughs> Northern Illinois just botched the trick play on a fourth and two at midfield. That may be curtains. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, you want you want to yeah, offer Johnny, up any Missouri? Missouri, thirty-eight to seven. Ooh, is that the same score as the Cotton Bowl? And when, oh, uh, oh, Tony Temple, yeah. Tony Temple. <laughs> I think it was thirty-eight to seven. It oh, was. and and of course, a fixture of Thanksgiving weekend when we play Missouri is I get to go to my brother-in-law's house and see his 
38 to 7, 2007 Cotton Bowl poster with Tony Temple rushing oh, through the race. Oh, you mean, you, mean Reggie, you mean Reggie Herring's job interview for the head coaching position? How'd that go? The game you poster. You want to talk about setting the program back? You need to hire that joker. It's got got Tony Temple giving the Heisman to like seven Razorbacks, and it's all, you know, artistically done like those Alabama pictures. Tony Temple shreds Razorbacks. Yes, he's got it hung in prominently in his basement. (laughs) I like Clay Henry talking the next day about how Arkansas's defensive game plan was just masterful against Chase Daniel. Yeah, that's great. We held him to what, like a hundred and something yards passing, but Clay never mentioned that Temple broke the broke the broke the Cotton Bowl record. (laughs) It's just like the Hog defense is masterful against Chase Daniel. We didn't want to be. We didn't want. We did. We no more wanted to be in that game. It was pathetic. Uh, Johnny. In the absence of Tom Logan, would you hand the mailbag this week? Mailbag. We got mail. One from uh, Tracy in Tulsa said he turned on the LSU-Arkansas game and an episode of Benny Hill broke out. Okay, I can envision the Benny Hill. Uh, players colliding on a jet sweep and player getting hit in the face masked by a potential touchdown pass, <laughs> albeit while the, the D-back was holding his arms down. Made for another, another memory on a memorable season. I think that was on the uh, Come On Man segment on Monday Night Football. Uh, Tracy, Tracy asked, can we cry uncle to the SEC and skip the remaining games? Tracy, some of us have. Uh, <laughs> it said at least uh, PTI showed the Joe Adams punt return against uh, Tennessee. As a sign, we once had good players and were a respectable team by now newly unemployed head coach, Mr. Robert Petrino. Go Hogs, beat somebody, just anybody. Don't get your hopes up, Tracy. Uh, next show or next uh, uh, and mail we've got is from Friday Night Guy. Um, he says the subject of his email is "It's time," and I don't think he means. He says it, I don't mean it's story time. Yeah. He thinks he thinks he still gives the Hogs the best chance to put up points, but it's time to pass the torch to Connor, Connor Noel these last two games. Said he's kind of surprised there hadn't been more chatter from the uh, coaches and media. Only thing is Van Horn saw what MSU did to Bama's uh, QB Tua last week and said, "No, God, don't do that." <laughs> so, question for Jimmy G: Do you know what eight and five, nine and four, six and seven, nine and four, and eight and five are? That's Bill Snyder's record the last five seasons. He won eleven and ten games before that. He's only won four this year. But give him a break. He's a hundred years old and still coaching. National treasure and shooting on a thirty for thirty. So uh, uh, he will have a thirty for thirty. I would debate the national treasure. He sounds like a, a grumpy, angry, old, vindictive man from the stuff I've read about what he's doing at K-State and the way he treats some of his players. So, uh, national treasure may be going too far. He is a great coach for what he did at Kansas State, but I think his time has come. And uh, As an OU fan, as Friday night guy as well, uh, he might be happy that Snyder stays there because their program is going to go in the tank and you don't have to worry about K-State for a while. <laughs> longer Snyder stays there. Uh, I've heard that they're the number one on their list is that Latrell guy from North Texas. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I have heard. And I don't uh, think anybody in the Big 12 powers would worry about that guy. No, no. <laughs> uh, we got to watch gotta, out for the old fake punt return play, though. Oh, you got to watch out. <laughs> for that. Always got to well, prepare. Take extra time to prepare for that. I think OU and Texas and West Virginia and the Big 12 uh, powers are. Really kind of worried about who Jeff Long is going to be bringing into Kansas. Oh, that God. That's a big question. 
we, we, who, 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 who have we really heard might be up for that job? Well, Les Miles is seriously up for it. Yeah. That's not a joke. I, Miles is I up think for HDN it. is, too. No, oh, God. Man, I think that is a joke. I, but Miles is a candidate. Oh, my. Miles would be, would be fun. I'd love to have Miles back there. Uh, who knows? I, I, he'd that's be, a, it'd be a good quote, but he he would be awful at Kansas. Yes, he would be, but he'd be fun. I think in that in that league in that play, you got to go offense. You got to go just you know somebody who can throw the ball around. Okay, our last email is from Hogwild J. Um, hey, Pod Crew, does Raheem Boyd get credit for a tackle when he knocked Jordan Jones to the ground against LSU? <laughs> if not, he should have. Also, think the College Dame Bay crew got their idea for the weekly Super Dogs feature by listening to the Razor Pod Sleeper Picks. Oh, that's true, and they owe us royalties. I'm talking mucho cashish. Well, I wish Herbie or Desmond or Reese or Coach Corso they could email us in and be part of the bell bag if that's what they did here. The segment oh, they send us an email. We do we do it in a heartbeat. Um, you know the Super Dogs version. You know, you they, they, sometimes they, you know, it's not it's not as bad as Pat picking favorites. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> because of faulty equipment, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you got to so, you know there, there was one time when Jimmy G was all about double digit dogs. He wasn't going to take a sleeper unless it was That's a double right. digit dog. That's right. I think I picked against Boise State every week. That every week. It's like me with Texas this year. I can't get a Texas game right. I, I just they've they've got me flummoxed. You've been pretty I've, bad with Georgia too. Yeah, I have. I've you know of course, you know I keep uh, thinking. I, I'd like I to know how many times I've picked Miss, uh, Michigan State on sleeper this year. Yeah, I feel like I've been back on them every week. Yeah, I've been off. I this has been a weird. I said it earlier, and I really do mean it. It's been a weird season. It's been a weird football season to me. There's. There's some real schizophrenic. There, there's there's four. There's about four really good teams, and they're the bluest of blue bloods: Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. Really good teams, um, and then there's just a lot of craziness. Well, do you, you know? want those four teams that are right now in the playoff? And look, what I'm about to say hurts a little bit, but other than like Georgia's going to get a shot at Bama, and Georgia probably deserves to be number five right now. And Georgia, if they may have the talent. They could, they could be with those other four teams. But after that, you get to OU, West Virginia, Washington State, Ohio State. Those teams. LSU. I mean, that's, that's kind of your next group. Good as those top five teams. And so, oh, Lord, there's nobody at that game. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not that good. So, and I think Patrick and I talked about it, Johnny, right before you hopped on, before we got on the air about how there's just not any good teams this year other than those top four or five. You're right. No, you're exactly – that's my point. Yeah, and I even go one step further. Below that tier that you're talking about, then it gets really like just whoever, right? I mean, you know, Pitt going to the ACC title game with, what, four losses? Northwestern. Northwestern. I mean, there's just – They lost to Akron. Yeah, there's just some – I mean, you're right. There are four or five really good teams. There's about six or eight that are – all kind of throw them in a bag. And then beyond that, it's just a crapshoot. The Pac-12 just, South, I think every team but UCLA still has a chance to win the Pac-12 South. And I was going to say, who's, who's the odds-on favorite to be in the championship game? Is it still Herm and Utah Arizona right State? Yep. I think it's Utah right now. I thought Arizona State 
Hill. Yeah, but Arizona State's got to go to. They're playing at. Uh, where is it this week? They're going somewhere on the road this week with their underdogs. Are they at Pullman this week? No. I don't think so. No, that's Arizona. They're, they're Arizona's Oregon. at Pullman. They're, they're going to Oregon. They're yeah, going they're going to Oregon. Three point dogs, yep. So yeah, you're really right. There's just it's it's and you can go you can go. Texas is a good is another good example that I've said I can't get a game right them for them all year. They're seven and three, not a bad season, bowl eligible. Herman's you know have some success. I don't know if they're any good. I don't know if they're worth a crap. I mean I, I've seen them play a bunch. You know we've picked a bunch of their games. I'm totally in the dark as whether they're worth a crap at all. Missouri in our own it, league. How good is I mean. They've lost a bunch of games. They went down and smoked Florida in the swamp. I, I can't well, tell you how good that team is. I mean, it's like Florida's yeah. good. How good is anybody in the SEC? Every team in the SEC other than Alabama and Georgia have had really good games, like LSU over Georgia, or they've had, like, dreadful games. I mean, it's just you don't know. And, like, LSU's win over Miami, that doesn't really mean much now. Miami's terrible. Yep. So it's just a, it's just a weird. I, I agree. The whole thing, the whole season's been odd. All right. Uh, thank you, Johnny, for for dealing with the mailbag. You guys have any rants? That kind of was my rant. You know, a little bit. You know, yeah. just kind of not not really fussing about the season. It's, I mean, it's all the games are always you know interesting, but I, I if this there's been a dearth of of. You know, maybe we have we have two weekends. I don't think it'll be this weekend where we have that crazy weekend where it's it's just not enough good matchups. Um, but this, it's been a season that's been a little it's been a little strange. It's just been odd. Well, the last last week was I said I think the first time that every team in the top ten won. You know, yeah. there wasn't one team in the top ten got beat. They didn't change the playoff standings didn't change one bit in the top ten, and. uh so, and this week doesn't look like there's much – Syracuse-Notre Dame. Syracuse is pretty highly ranked. They could take out Notre Dame. But the other and matchups, the top 25 teams, aren't teams in the top 10. UCF's 11, and then Ohio State, or Iowa State and Texas are 19 and 22. So, I mean, it's not like the top 10 really has – other than Notre Dame has any threatening games this week. I mean, really, uh, the only intrigue is, is this Big 12 deal. As far as conference races, right? I mean, every other one. I mean, okay, maybe you could say that Pac-12 South deal. It, I don't know if intrigue's the right word. Just right. Last man standing. Yeah. Um, um, you know, then, you already got a horrible Northwestern team winning the West, and you got a horrible Pitt team winning the ACC, Coastal, Atlantic, whichever one they're in. I think it's the Coastal, right? Yeah, it is. It's Coastal. And then the, I guess Washington Washington State winner is going to be in the the Pac-12 North champion. So oh, is that still possible for Washington to? They've I got thought... two conference losses, and State has one. So as long as you know, as long as they stay within a game, which that means Washington needs to beat whoever they're playing this Saturday. This which I don't think they're playing somebody anybody any good. Uh, so as long as they win that game, the Apple Cup will decide the North. Um, and then, uh, as far as the my little bit of a rant is, I, the I, until I left for the Arkansas game, I watched oh till the end of the third quarter of the OU Oklahoma State game, 
And I got to say, like some of these Big 12 games, it, and as an OU fan, it, it's embarrassing now watching those teams play. It is. It's, yeah. it's, it's not as exciting as uh, last year, the 51 to 48 game was seemed like two high level offenses going at it and was really exciting. And OU has a high level offense. I mean, Kyler Murray is, I've seen some people now are thinking he may be that, like he's challenging to it for the Heisman. And their offense is exciting. And so it's embarrassing as an OU fan because the, their defense is so ridiculously bad. And the quotes by Ruffin McNeil after the game tells me why they're bad. And it's stupid. Look, I blame most of the blame at Mike Stoops. But Ruffin McNeil came in there after Stoops got fired. And this week, he, he and his quotes were like how – good OU's defense was and how they got clutch stops and how, um, you know, it was just uh, they're on the – they're trying to get – they're on the same they're, – they're doing the right things. They just need to uh, get on the, the page together and they're doing all the things and their, their defense looks good and they're happy with where they're at and all this stuff. And, you know, it just – at some point, the, you have to take stock and say, look, I, and I think Riley will do this after the season. I think he's going to clean house on that side, and they're going to bring in a big-name defensive coordinator because he's not hamstrung now. Like, Because, you know, Brent Venables, Clemson's defensive coordinator, was at OU, and he left because he could never be the top guy there because of, he was co-defensive coordinator with Mike Stoops. Well, who's the better defensive coordinator? <laughs> the guy running Clemson's uh... defense. And so I think Riley is going to bring someone like that in now and clean that up, but it is absolutely just embarrassing watching some of these teams play defense. And it's not and it's not just OU in the Big 12. It's other teams, too. Um, West Virginia and Texas, that game was just a flat-out track meet. And some of these teams don't have otherworldly talent on offense. And so that just tells you how bad the, the defenses are. Like, Texas, their offense is good. It's stoppable. It's not like, you know, Texas should be running through you. Like, you know, these defenses, I don't know. It's just – it's absurd watching some of these teams trying to play defense. Well, did you, you – it's so funny. You, I don't, this wasn't this didn't in the front of my mind until you brought it up. Boy, it sure was when I was watching that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game the other day. Let me read you a couple of, 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 of you scores for our listeners' edification. Uh, they've, they've won most of these games. Obviously, the only game they've lost is to Texas. But, you know, OU the, uh, against Oklahoma State – 48-47. Against Texas Tech, 51-46. Uh, they lost to Texas, 48-45. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, yeah, we could go on. We can even look at, at, at other teams. The, the Big 12, it is just a defense-optional league. I mean, it is they, – they it's not – you know, like you said, Texas, West Virginia, 42-41. Um, you know, it's just <laughs> – it, it's – it, it's football is changing, no question. But boy, the Big Twelve offenses are just no, not the Big Twelve offenses. The Big Twelve defenses, it, it's just a, it's a crap show. Well, and I, if you're an OU fan, and I'm sure that like I'm not a die. I mean, they're my team after Arkansas, man. But it's like if you follow them, like, and you read Sooners Illustrated, and you're like my uncle, he graduated from over there. He has description as soon as illustrated and he's got special cable so he can watch all the OU games and he gets the uh you know he gets the the DVR thing and they they can they email him all the like coaches tape he watches all that stuff he's diehard OU and like 
you've got to be sick to your stomach because OU, I'm like, some of these teams, they have they get an talent. offense. They have and an they offense, get... and their offense is, like, otherworldly. They have, like, Lincoln Riley is being looked at as a 35-year-old, as a top NFL coaching candidate because it's his offensive schemes. And you've got a guy like Kyler Murray, and you've got all this talent, and you've got a defense. And Oklahoma State and uh, Texas Tech, their receivers were just running around wide open. And the OU defenders are, like, clueless out there. And so it's just – that's something that you would never see that at a, um, you know, a Michigan or an Ohio State or an Alabama or any of these places that they wouldn't just be clueless on defense. They would seem like that would be an important part of the ball. And at OU, that's definitely not the case right now. And uh, and maybe a function of the league they're in, but it's more than just that. It's, it's a philosophy that uh, – and I don't know what the answer is. I think Riley's going to address it, but um, it's 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 a hard one to wrap your head around if you're an OU fan that you your recruiting base, and then you've got defenses that can't basically do the basic things. Arkansas's defense is every bit as good as OU's defense, and our defense is lousy, and we don't have anywhere near the talent they have. <laughs> that's 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 a mouthful right there, and all true. All right, guys. Um, Good show. Again, we'll be back week after Thanksgiving with the championship week preview. Um, been a long season. But, <laughs> <laughs> as, as we know, Jimmy G, uh, after championship week, we, we reset. Of course, we will have our Army-Navy game picks. It's part of the last week. And uh, we reset for bowl season. Can't wait for that. Uh, bowl season usually done in uh, automatic bot fashion through the blog and the ESPN uh, Pick'em. So we'll get you all those details in the show the week after Thanksgiving. Again, don't look for a show next week unless miracles happen. And um, with that, we'll say goodnight and be back to you the week after Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday.